0: Hey, how are you? It's lovely to see you. Uh,
1: very sorry I'm late.
0: Don't worry about it. We're all, all right. here waiting for you. <laughs> Welcome this morning. We are so excited to have you with us today. You've, you've walked into a live broadcast and we've got just over three and a half thousand people, three and a half thousand Kiwis sitting here, excited to see you. So thank you so much for joining us. It's awesome. Thank
1: you so much. I love New Zealand and I'm really, really happy to- joining you
0: yeah oh that's absolutely brilliant uh should we tell um how would you like do you mind if we call you bobby or would you like to call you mr kennedy
1: oh that's okay whatever you want <laughs> that's
0: okay we're pretty casual down here at the other end of the world
2: even when it's going even
0: happen. when it's a crazy time like it is now um, all right the way we'll do it is uh claire will introduce you and then Alias has a little bit to say about voices. For, actually, you could do that first, Alias. Say a little bit about us, Voices for Freedom. So you'll get a little bit of background about that. And then Claire will introduce you. And then we'll really looking forward to having a good chat with you. So how long do you have with us? Do you have to race away anywhere?
1: I think about half an hour.
0: Half an hour. Right. We go like the wind. Go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Alia, tell them a little very
2: briefly who we are. Okay, yeah, really quickly. Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, We're Voices for Freedom. We're a grassroots, not for profit organisation that was started in December last year, basically to stand up for the freedoms that we see that are being annihilated by this COVID 19 response from the government and the media censorship and all of that sort of thing. Uh, we've got a huge team of people now working with us. We have got 70 groups around New Zealand with thousands of people signed up. We're on track to have uh, over 100,000 people uh, in our membership by the end of the year. We've done some really big campaigns like 2 million flyers, uh, billboards. We're currently working on a whole legal um, campaign where we're supporting strategically and financially a number of legal legal actions for class actions and individuals. We have... uh, other campaigns that include liaising with other courageous medical professionals. And we're just basically being like a one-stop shop for a whole lot of support for fellow Kiwis at the moment as they face no dab, no job. Thanks, Alia.
3: Thank you so much for being here, um, Robert. So I just want to do a very, I I know so many people know you, but we just want to do you justice by uh, introducing you. So, um, you're a true American hero celebrated attorney and best selling author environmental activist and medical freedom advocate, um, the nephew of President John F Kennedy and the son of US Senator Robert F Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy is chairman of the Children's Health Defense, whose mission is to end the epidemic of children's chronic health conditions. He helped found the nonprofit environmental group Waterkeeper Alliance in 1999 and has served as president of its board, including being named one of Time magazine's heroes for the planet for success in helping lead the fight to restore the Hudson River. And his efforts have helped establish over 300 waterkeeper organizations around the world. He has written and edited numerous best-selling books and articles have appeared in many well-known publications such as the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times and the Wall Street Journal. And throughout the COVID-19 pandemic he has contradicted the mainstream media and is here today to discuss with us the global lockdown, the fear rhetoric and the propaganda censorship, vaccine development, and of course the roles played by Anthony Fauci in particular. Is um, told in the recent um, released book, or I understand it's just about to be released. Um, the real uh, Anthony Fauci. So, just really grateful um, and look forward to hearing so much more. Thank you.
1: Very much.
3: So, has the book actually been? This book has been released, or we weren't sure. Is it still on pre order? And we know we need to help. No, it?
1: uh, it's pre ordered. I think the release date is the fifteenth. It should be in all the. Stores on the 15th, and um, but it sold a lot of copies already. We have a ton of reorders. We're trying to drive it onto all the international bestseller lists because it makes it um more difficult for them to ignore us for the bad guys and the you know, all these corrupted institutions of our former democracies. to, to ignore us. I, all of the proceeds from the book go back to Children's Health Defense to continue the legal battles that we're doing all over the world and the communication and all the other stuff that we do. So, mm. uh, I would urge all the Kiwis to take your Christmas present now um, and, uh, and buy some copies and help us drive this on the, on the international bestseller list.
0: That'd be fantastic and it's called the real Anthony Fauci. Do you want to give us a little, a little sneak into what is inside?
1: Anthony Fauci might play the leading role of kind of, of driving the, um, uh, of using the pandemic as a, as implementing a militarized response to pandemic rather than a medical response, I think that's the thing that really has been bewildering to uh, to people who uh, who are just shocked. Um, it, it, it's been a militarized, monetized response, and what I was able to find out in the book, you know, Tony Fauci has been he's the longest serving public health Regulator of American history. He's been for over 50 years at the National Institute of Allergic and Infectious Diseases. He has a huge budget. He gives away about 13 times annually the amount that Bill Gates gives away. He has a $6.1 billion budget uh, from the US taxpayer, and then he has another $1.6 billion from the military, which is why he has to engage. And gain of function studies. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's paid an inordinate amount. He's paid, and mainly about 68% of his funding comes from his military activities from developing essentially bioweapons, which they call dual use research. In other words, there, there's a loophole in the 1972 bioweapons treaty that allows, which forbids any kind of development or handling or transportation of bioweapons. But the loophole is that it allows the development of bioweapons as long as they have a vaccine purpose. And so those, are, those experiments are called dual use experiments. And President Obama, a bunch of, of Tony Fauci's little creatures escaped in 2014 and some from other U.S. labs, and 300 scientists signed a petition to President Obama, asked him to ask him to ban this research. Like everybody knows that research has nothing to do with public health. Hmm. It's a pretense. There's nothing that has ever come from that research that has given any benefit to pandemic responses. And everybody knows that you're creating, you're deliberately creating creatures that. Can, that are tri- you're taking wild viruses flu viruses coronaviruses and you're deliberately manipulating them through a series of different uh, techniques in order to make them more pathogenic more transmissible in humans you're deliberately developing pandemic superbugs that if they escape the trajectory would be out of control so, the leading scientists in the field, Richard E. Bright and and many, many others and Mark Lipsitch from Harvard for many years have been complaining about Tony Fauci's Pandora's boxes that he's been creating at all these BSL labs in the United States. And so in 2014, they got Obama to declare moratorium. And instead of stopping the studies, he moved a lot of his research to the Chinese lab to Wuhan, where he conducted those, continued to conduct those experiments in cooperation with the Chinese government, the People's Liberation Army, which controlled the Wuhan lab. And they gave him a soft landing because the Chinese were unambiguously creating bioweapons there. And he was. Funding techniques not only for developing developing these uh, very, very uh, transmissible pathogens, but he was also developing ways to hide human tampering. So he had one scientist he was funding, Ralph Barrick from the University of North Carolina, who developed techniques or concealing the engineering, the, the human engineer in these new viruses that they were, they were creating. And he taught that technique to Yangtuan Shi, who was the Chinese scientist who was receiving Fauci's funding to do those experiments over in the Wuhan lab, and um, He was was funneling money to Wuhan, but it wasn't just him. It was the CIA through USAID uh, gave about $64 million to the Wuhan lab to do these studies. Uh, The US Pentagon through DARPA and BARDA was also funding these studies. And so we gave about $100 million and Fauci the reason Fauci got into this was after the Anthrax, after the 9-11 attack, you probably don't even know this in New Zealand, we the 9-11 attack, it really changed America, turned America into a national security state. And we passed the Patriot Act, which began you know these restrictions on human rights, and civil rights and constitutional rights. And it gave government all these new powers to interfere in American lives. But three weeks after the 9 11 attack on the World Trade Center, there was an anthrax attack.
3: Right. And
1: the anthrax attack was initially blamed on Saddam Hussein and it justified the, uh, the war in Iraq. It was used as the principle. On um, justification that Saddam Hussein, here he was attacking us with his, with his, sorry, his chemical weapon or his biological weapons. And I don't know why this thing didn't go off. It's my pet doc. Um, <laughs> he was also, but uh, he, now he had, he had done this attack and. Most Americans believe that it was Saddam Hussein who did an attack. The FBI began an investigation but did not complete the investigation until after the Iraq war was launched. What the FBI found was that that anthrax, they were able to fingerprint it and they were able to prove that it came from a US military, one of three US military labs. And they, um, the, uh, they, they curtailed the, they they blamed internationally on a scientist whose name who, who was Bruce Bruce Ivins, um, who committed suicide in the middle of the investigation. But most people who looked at the investigation believed that it, it was a it was they were framing Ivins in order to protect somebody in the military. Oh, at that time, the military began putting huge amounts of money to use the anthrax attack to say, we now need to develop countermeasures in case there's ever a biological attack. But the Pentagon couldn't do it itself because everybody would have recognized, oh, you're just using this to develop bioweapons, which is illegal. So they began funneling the money to Tony Fauci. And, uh, and, Tony, and they also gave him a 68% raise. But Tony Fauci's annual salary, he's the highest paid person in the United States government. His salary is 430, his base salary makes a lot more through other things because he can own patents on, like, you know, the, the, uh, the drugs that he develops. His base salary is $438,000. The president of the United States, in contrast, gets only $400,000 a year. But his real power comes from controlling all of the, uh, the global biomedical research. And between him and Jeremy from R at the Wellcome Trust, which is the UK version of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Bill Gates, those three men put together control about 61% of all biomedical research on the planet. That means if you are a scientist, a virologist, whether you're in South Africa, or New Zealand, or Australia, or the United States, or China, that you really rely on your income on what Tony Fauci wants. And Tony Fauci not only has the capacity to designate what research will get done, but also he has the capacity to kill research. So if somebody For example, at Stanford University, a young professor said, You know what? We have all of this data from the HMO, from Kaiser, you know, Permanente, which has 2 million people that it's insuring. And they have all the data, the medical records on all of their patients. So they have all the vaccine records going to batch number, and they have all the medical claims. And you could easily do a cluster analysis and see whether any of those vaccines are linked to particular injuries, whether it's juvenile diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, autism, eczema, food allergies, et cetera. Nobody's ever done that research. But if a young professor says, I want to do that research, the head of that university will immediately get a call from Tony Fauci's office saying, we give you $300 million a year to to your medical school, to do biomedical research on drug development. And if you let this young scientists complete that study, we're going to cut cut it off. And so that's how he controls biomedical research on the planet and makes sure that studies that he doesn't want done never get done. Uh, He also controls the journals. He controls the other. The other agencies of the US government, the FDA, the CDC are largely, because of his financial clout and his political clout are largely um, subservient to him. Hmm. And he's spent a career developing instead of doing biomedical research and figuring out why are we having an autism epidemic? Why in my generation, If 10 is is autism rate one in every 10,000 men in my generation and my children's generation, it's one in every 22 boys. Mm. How did that happen? It happened at the beginning in 1989. We know it has to be an environmental toxin. It's an easy thing to figure out, but our research is never done because it's not toxic.
0: It's, it's absolutely shocking when you see the amount of suppression of good research, hiding data, the censorship in the media, and we're facing a situation here in New Zealand right now with this is like it's all coming to a head. Uh, they're about to approve. I know the FDA have just approved the five to 11 year olds for this new COVID vaccine in in America or the jab in the States, we're we're talking about doing that any day down here too. So it's like the culmination of all of this fraud, corruption, censorship is now about to hit the kids again. Um, And I wonder, I know you work hard through through the Children's Health Defense to fight for the kids, but what are your feelings around this potential catastrophe that
1: I see. Here's what what people should understand. And one of the metrics that CDC and FDA before they approve a vaccine, they're required by law to look at several metrics. One of those metrics, one of the key metrics, is a, it's called an NNTV, number needed to vaccinate. So what that means is, how many people do you need to vaccinate in order to save one life? That's a key metric. So um, with the COVID Pfizer vaccine, let me just address that, because we have, you know, they're the only ones who've gotten actual FDA approval in the and, United States. And that's
0: States. the only one we have in New Zealand, actually. We only have
1: Pfizer. Right. Mm. So if you look for at there six-month clinical trial, they were supposed to do a three-year clinical trial. Uh, They cut it off after six months. Why did they do that? They did it because the efficacy was dropping so quickly. It had lost 90% of its efficacy, according to a lot of data, within six months. And so they could no longer justify it after six months and the numbers started looking worse and worse and worse, so they had to cut it off. They were also starting to see a lot of longer-term injuries. So, the, you know, the industry access, the injury access had crossed the, uh, the efficacy access, which was dropping, and the injury access was rising.
2: Mm.
1: They needed to, for that reason, they needed to shut down the study. But, so, they, they unblinded the study in six months and they gave the people in the placebo group the vaccine. So, it's over. Now, there's no science that can be done now they're vaccinated. Everybody gets vaccinated after six months. The six-month study, they handed to FDA to get approval. The key metric in that study, and everybody needs to understand, is all-cause mortality. Were there more dead people in the vaccine group or the placebo group? And here's what that number says. In in the vaccine group were 22,000 people. 20 of them died in that six-month period. In the placebo group were 22,000 people and only 14 died. Oh, there was a, you have a 48% greater chance of dying in the next six months if you get the vaccine. That's extrapolating the lesson of that study. Why did it, how could FDA then have given them the license? Here's why. In the vaccine group, one person died of COVID. In the placebo group, two people died of COVID, of 22,000. So Pfizer is able to make the public argument that this vaccine is 100% effective against death because the number two is 100% greater than number one. Most people, when they hear that it's 100% effective, Most Kiwis, for example, are going to say, "Oh, if I get the vaccine, I have a hundred percent chance I'm never getting COVID." Mm. That's not what it means. What it means is that they have to give twenty-two thousand vaccines to prevent one death from COVID. Now, here's the bad news. Let me put it this way: the worst news. Worst news is that in the vaccine group, there were five people who died of heart attacks. And in the placebo group, it was only one person who died of a heart attack. So if you get that vaccine, you are five times more likely to have a, a deadly, fatal heart attack within the six months than if you don't. And the vaccine saved one person, one life, over six months, in every twenty-two thousand from COVID, but it kills four people from heart attacks. Over every one life saved from COVID, you have to kill four people from heart attacks. So it makes no sense to give that vaccine to anybody. Or you know, maybe some certain people may benefit from that vaccine, but it would be a very rare cohort. And one of the cohorts you know is not going to get is not going to get any benefit are children. The reason for that is that children, healthy children, do not die from COVID. In fact, a Lancet did a study and where they, the Lancet could not find any healthy child anywhere in the globe that has died from COVID. There are, I think in England, 25 deaths among children from COVID, PCR confirmed, and, the, all, and in the United States, maybe three or 400 over the entire pandemic. But the kids who died were all kids with really catastrophic comorbidities like extreme obesity, um, diabetes, uh, asthma, anaphylaxis, and oftentimes a, whole, a constellation of comorbidities. But for a healthy child, there's no reason to give them the vaccine. There's no justification. And you know, there's a guy called Toby Rogers who attempted to do a calculation on the NNTV, the number needed to vaccinate children under 11. And the companies, CDC did not, for the first time, did not request that number. And it's required by law to understand that number. And FDA did the same. FDA approved the vaccine without saying four kids without asking for that number. How many kids do you need to vaccinate to save one life? And the reason they didn't ask for it is because they knew it would be in the hundreds of thousands. That number you're gonna need to give hundreds of thousands of vaccines to save one life from COVID. And how many kids are you gonna kill by doing it? So that's a question that, you know, is a very scary question for vaccine company and even scarier for the public mm. and that's you know so uh, to me I don't I don't tell anybody don't get the vaccine do get the vaccine I don't give advice like that but I would say this that it is criminal to give this to healthy children criminal mm. and, it, and any doctor who does it is committing medical malpractice you can't just say I'm doing it because of FDA as it's okay, you need to look at the data yourself and understand it before you give that to a child.
0: And that doesn't even take into consideration any natural immunity any of these kids have got either. And we know in the States, you know, there's talk about oh. and the UK, so many of the kids have already had COVID.
1: What we're finding now is there's new studies that show if you get the vaccine and you get COVID, the kind of immunity that you get after getting COVID is not as good as the immunity that you would get if you got just COVID and no vaccine. The vaccine actually cripples your lifetime immunity. And the, you know, the best thing to do with is you know, the best strategy, like for me, with my kids, the best thing that could happen to my kids is if they get COVID now, they get lifetime immunity and that we don't know well, they're going to get lifetime immunity. but We know that it's going to be a long-lasting immunity. And it, it is a much broader spectrum immunity. The, the vaccine will give you the immunity, temporary immunity, the last six months, against one or two variants. Um, but then, you know, when the new mutant variants come along, you're not going to have it, you're going to need a new vaccine. But if you get that natural infection, it appears to give you lifetime or long-term immunity against all variants. Mm-hmm. So you'd much rather have that. And it's like measles or chicken pox. You know, we evolved at a society where children got measles and chickenpox. They got these childhood diseases when they were young. And it gives lifetime immunity against that disease. And those diseases are quite dangerous if you get them when you're older, mumps too. Mm-hmm. But if you get them when you're young, they're essentially almost their rashes. Their impacts are subclinical in 99.999% of children. The only kids who get injured by measles or chickenpox, historically up till 1963, prior to the vaccines, um, were kids who were severely malnourished. You know There were 400 kids who died of, of measles in 1963, the year before they. Introduced the vaccine, almost all of them were black children from Mississippi Delta, and if them had um, intellectual disabilities, you know, they had, they were malnourished kids, they had no vitamin A, and that's what kills you from measles. A healthy child, it's almost, it's virtually always a sub- subclinical perhaps, but that is harmless.
0: We're, we're facing a situation here in New Zealand, like a, a lot of places around the world where our, these vaccine passports are on the horizon. So now these kids presumably will be scooped up into this too. And unless they've had their vaccine, the vaccine for the COVID, they won't be eligible to go into the general society. And I don't know if you heard our prime minister speaking just last week. I think it was talking about how we're going to have two classes of people in New Zealand. Now she thinks that's totally fine, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And they're also talking about protecting the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. This is a huge departure from anything that we've known here in New Zealand and certainly uh, most of the Western world have experienced. Um, it, it's very—it's just terrifying, actually, the prospect that we're not only going to jab all these kids, but now we're going to exclude them from life. Uh, yeah. That's quite mean to it. Well,
1: we're seeing that all over the world. We're seeing this, you know, it's, uh, and, I, and I'll tell you why in the United States, there's this huge drive to vaccinate children and it's incomprehensible that you'd say, are we really about public health? If that's not what's happening. Indeed. The way the law works in the United States is that if you have any EUA vaccine, which most, all of them are up till now, emergency use authorization, you get immunity from liability under the Prep Act, the CARES Act. So the companies have no liability, no matter how badly grievous your injury, no matter how reckless their conduct, no matter how um, negligent they were. You cannot sue that company, and, and so. But if the vaccine gets approved for adults, under the law, once the approved vaccine, the companies will have liability. The only way to escape liability is if you get your vaccine approved for children, because if it's recommended for children, it comes then under the the Vaccine Act, and it gets immunity from liability, because all childhood vaccines are protected and are immune from liability, not only for children, but for adults. But in order to get the, the immunity from adults, you have to mandate it for children. And that's why they're, they're doing this drive in the United States, uh, not because they're trying to protect children from, from COVID, but because they're trying to protect the vaccine companies from lawsuits. Hmm.
3: And um, Robert, is that where you see that there is a likelihood to succeed in, in lawsuits? Obviously, you're an attorney. Libby and I are lawyers by training, so we do tend towards that way. but. Um, often here in New Zealand, the law just simply has changed if you're successful on the point. Um, So that was one question about the law and your background there. And then also we were so many of us inspired to see you speak in Germany. And we just, a lot of people talk about Nuremberg 2.0 and we're in connection with um, Rainer Filmick. and just wondering, um, is that that where you see it going? Some sort of world criminal court? Is that even, is that a possibility? And and your thoughts there just on the, the legal framework here?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't see that on the horizon right now. I think these people have committed crimes against humanity and, um, you know, maybe some point if there's a huge political turnaround and if we win this battle, which I'm hoping we will, um, we will get a criminal court and I would welcome that. I think you know we need to change the pharmaceutical paradigm completely hmm. and we need to, um, no, we we need to take away the power from the pharmaceutical companies and from you know this this uh, uh, cartel they've created, which is um, these alignments between Big Pharma, between the social media companies, between the big media companies of New Zealand and the United States are the only countries in the world that allow pharmaceutical direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertising on tv and it, it basically has given the companies um complete power over, over the dialogue on public on television i have um, it i just just opened a tiktok account because i heard that tiktok is the only social media that it's not sensory and so i i opened a couple of days ago a, a tiktok account and and, you know, you're putting these three-minute videos. We'll see how long it lasts. But the first video that I put up on TikTok is a video that shows all of the news, the major newscasters like Anderson Cooper, you know, and Aaron Burnett, and Les, all of the, the major newscasters in the United States um, with a logo on them saying, brought to you by Pfizer. Pfizer, you know, Anderson Cooper gets a twelve million dollar annual salary, and probably ten million of that is coming from Pfizer and the other three big pharmaceutical companies. So we know who his boss is, and Mm -hmm. you know, we we can't afford to have that. We need a public dialogue that is real, that's serving democracy, and not corporate profit taking and corporate power. You have this cartel that is the mainstream media that. You know, it's now there's a transfer in wealth from pharmaceutical companies to the media outlets at $9.6 billion a year. And, you know, they own the news. Um, the social media companies that are also all entangled with the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, Google is now a vaccine company as three separate subsidiaries of Verily, it's it's parent company, that are making vaccines, including COVID vaccines, and it's partnered with all of the big, has a $760 million partnership with with Glaxo and all the other companies. So they're not, Google is uh, fixing its search engine to serve the pharmaceutical companies rather than information and democracy. And and you have the intelligence agencies and you have the captive agencies within our government, the health agencies that are also part of this, uh, this, this very, very sinister cabal. And we, you know, it's gonna take more than just uh, a couple of lawsuits to bring them to justice. We need to completely change the institutional cultures. I think what Ryan Fullback is doing it is saying these people need to be tried criminally. Is um, is you know we need an a trial for the people who are committing these crimes against democracy and against humanity.
0: Mm. I, I think you're right, though this total change of institutions. Everything appears to be starting to explode even if people can't see that happening Um, we have a double whammy here with our media because they're not only uh, some of our bigger channels haven't only been bought by the discovery channel which has dubious connections Uh, but our government also substantially funds the um, networks so they've had millions and tens and millions of dollars in the last year to to spout their message really I mean they just paid off. and it's both and we have a left-wing government here I mean I think that's something else interesting we don't have the strong political divide like you do in the states um, where people hang to the right or hang to the left but our left government that you would expect to be talking about freedoms and rights for people and looking after everyone properly not this fake kindness we hear uh, they've left us it's become it's 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 overbearing the uh, legislation that they're rushing through the dominance in the media. It's, I am wondering, I know you're having quite a pushback from the right, which is, I mean, it's all very muddled now, this whole left, right thing.
1: Our big pushback is from the left in our country. And I, you know, consider myself politically part of the left. I have been my whole life. Yeah. But, you know, to me that, you know, the, 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 um, the Democratic Party has completely lost faith in democracy, and um, and I this happened over a, a long period of time, and included you know the, the election of George Bush and the election of Donald Trump, where people on the left just said the American people can no longer be trusted, and now they've gone to the length where they're saying we have to censor information because the the, the Demos, the, the public cannot be trusted to have information that we consider dangerous.
2: Mm.
1: But when you get to that point, you basically said, okay, we no longer believe in democracy. Mm. We need censorship to control uh, the passions of the public and we cannot give them power. We have to take away their power. And we have to take away their information because they'll misuse it. They can't be trusted to have true truth. And so the truth, the the information that they get needs to be spoon fed. Once you get to that point, you know, where does it end? I mean, we know where it ends because We had these lessons as a kid, we all had to read Kafka and we had to read George Orwell and we had to read Aldous Huxley and we had to read Frank Herbert and Robert Heinlein, you know, uh, uh, Fahrenheit uh, 457, I think it was 457. But anyway, it was, you know, all of those are parables about what happens in a society when they begin to tolerate, when the society begins to tolerate censorship. Mm. It's always has a bad ending. And, and by the way, is there any society in the world, or, or is there any occasion in the history of the world when the people who were censoring speech were the good guys? You know, I, I cannot think of any instance, and it's shocking to me. Uh, people I've respected all my whole life, Noam Chomsky who is the icon of the left, who is leading the back, Naomi Klein, who, you know, who is, has been one of my favorite writers my whole life, who is now, you know, these uh, icons of the left are now the most outspoken uh, voices of censorship and oppression of human rights and constitutional rights. Let me just tell you what happened in our country, very briefly. Mm-hmm. One, the, the founders, the framers of the Constitution, James Madison, John Adams, um, Jefferson, were all very clear that we need to put the First Amendment, we need to put freedom of speech and expression in the First Amendment, because all the other amendments depend on it. Once government can control speech, it has license for any kind of atrocity wants to commit including the, uh, the obliteration the, you know, the demolition of, of democracy. And, uh, and what we've seen this year is just a coup d'etat against democracy. Um, and so they, they, they put freedom of speech in the First Amendment and that was the first one to go. They started censoring us from the beginning of this pandemic and what's the next thing they went after religious freedom? They closed every church in our country for a year. And you know, and they kept the liquor stores open as essential business. Oh, it's fine with me to keep the liquor stores open, but the liquor stores are not in the Constitution. The churches are. Got, and by the way, there is no pandemic exception in the United States Constitution. And it's not because that generation didn't know about pandemics during the revolution against 1777 uh, against England. We had two pandemics that ran through the United States Army, through Washington's Army. The Army of New England had a terrible uh, small pack pandemic. Disabled the army and brought them to a standstill for months. The Southern armies, the armies of Virginia had a malaria epidemic. And so they knew the framers when it came time for them to write the constitution, they knew all about pandemics. They didn't put it in the United States Constitution. And the next thing they went after was property rights. They closed every business for a year. Our country said, our constitution says, you cannot interfere with anybody's business in this country without paying them uh, due, due, due first of all, without due process, you give them a hearing, and then just compensation at the end of the hearing, you got to pay them whatever they lost. None of that happened. A, a trial. Well, they aren't jury trials. You know, which is the Seventh Amendment and the Sixth Amendment. Is that which? here's what the Seventh Amendment said: no, says No American citizen shall be denied their right a trial before a jury of their peers in any matter exceeding, in any case or controversy, exceeding $25 in value. That's the entire amendment. It's so all it says. You, you cannot deny it. And yet they've written a law that says you can't get a jury, you can't sue anybody if they injure you for millions of dollars worth of medical care. You know, but If they injure you with one of their pandemic countermeasures, they got rid due process of law, uh, warrantless searches and features, basically the entire Bill of Rights has now been obliterated, with one exception the Second Amendment, which is guns. Everything else is gone. Everything is really quite extraordinary.
0: It's very easy to feel gagged. It's really easy to feel that you're powerless and that all of these crazy things are happening. And it's, I, uh, you know, I, people just feel like that what do we do what do we even do we we tried to put some ads in the paper down here just about freedom of speech we booked them out cost thousands tens of thousands of dollars that we'd arranged it was only about freedom of speech and they were pulled at the very last minute because we apparently are dangerous people um it's very hard to get the word out we're doing webinars like this We're, we're doing leaflet drops we have local groups but how are you find how I, I know you've got the defender which is an amazing uh, online magazine that you've put together but how else do we get get the word out to people and how do we change their minds how do we open their eyes to all this
1: well it's two questions one is um you know we have to build institutions like defender and other institutions for communicating with each other because normal Means of communication has been taken away from us, been co opted by the corporate kleptocracy. And so we have to build our own institutions. We have to build all of our institutions. We have to build schools, you know, our businesses that we patronize with each other. Uh, we may have to rebuild everything. Uh, and, that, and we need to be ready to do that. And we need to do that energetically and enthusiastically. Our biggest power is the power of persuasion. And you know, we have every person what we convert stays converted. Mm. But they don't convert us. <laughs> and nobody, you know, nobody they can't trust their own people because if, as soon as truth, a little bit of truth, speaks into that, to that, to those closed minds, it, it has a liberating effect. So yeah. you know, I talked to a Friend of mine, a very um, thoughtful, brilliant uh, psychiatrist and social scientist. And I said, How do you approach people? How do you get through the, you know, the orthodoxy? How do you penetrate the orthodoxy? Um, this fort- this powerful fortification against the information that they put up. You know, they, it's like as soon as you start talking, they put their hands in their ears, like a minute mm-hmm. and, they, and they, you know, they don't, nobody wants to hear it. So, and they get angry at you for talking, you know, furious and you're like, why are you so mad at me? Because mm. you're threatening their core belief system and I know everything's gonna collapse if you get through. And I said, how do you, how do you penetrate an orthodoxy? And he said, well, you, you don't do it through persuasion. If you make a direct run at the person, and try to show them information and try to you know, show them that they're wrong, it just is gonna make them retrench, dig deeper and mm-hmm. open up their anger and their defenses toward you. And he said, there's a technique for doing it and it's using the Socratic method. It's asking questions, yes. asking them to explain their belief, and then asking simple questions, right? You know, um, how many how many vaccines you do you think that you need to give children to, to save one child life? Um, is it is it right to make children take a vaccine to save an older person? Die, even if that was happening, how can a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission stop a pandemic? How can a vaccine that doesn't stop transition transmission um, protect people who are vaccinated from unvaccinated, or the other way around. Is it possible for a vaccinated person to give COVID to an unvaccinated person? Of course, we know it is, but they don't know that.
2: No.
1: And then, and it, and to approach them with questions and because all you're trying to do is to get them to start things upreacting and to start thinking. And you need to approach them from a, from a direction that they don't consider threatening. You know, but I would say, you know, if people ask you what to do I'd say every day everybody in your movement has to record one civil disobedience, what does that mean you go into a store and say, If you make me wear that mask, I'm never coming in here again. And I'm going to tell my friends, not to come in here. You give a business card. You know, we we print out these cards at CHD that have vaccine side effects or little bits of information on them. And you see a mom rolling a stroller down the street, hand her one of those cards. Put them up on the bulletin boards. Put them up in the men's room or the ladies room. People can see them. And do those kind of, you know, do at least one simple disobedience every day, and then try to open a conversation with another person every day just by asking them one of those questions and and see what happens. Because if you convert one person, that person it it moves like a virus. Mm. But we have what we (laughs) have is that's the virus we have the very, very dangerous virus that we actually have, which is true. Um, mm. and we want it to spread virally and the way that you do that is not with a direct approach because the armor goes up but with an indirect approach which is the soft underbelly of you know of um, of the orthodoxy
0: mm. yeah. we're lucky here in new zealand because it's a small country and we're only about two degrees of separation from everybody else yeah.
1: so word, word okay. does travel yeah. fast You know, the reason, the thing that fortifies the orthodoxy is propaganda, and propaganda is formulaic. If somebody hears something one time, they may not believe it. The second time, they may not believe it. But after the third and fourth and fifth time, they believe it. Yeah. And and so, you know, we need to give them an alternative narrative and have them hear that four or five times.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, others come up to them on uh, the street and say, you know, uh, do you know somebody who's been injured? You know, that's another question you ask. Why is it, you know, I, there was a poll recently in the United States that 12% of Americans knows somebody who was injured by this vaccine. If you ask a room full of people Um, How many people know somebody who thinks they were injured by the vaccine? The amount of money, hands it go up, is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And and you say, how come this isn't being reported? Because there's a lot of people out there. This is not a rare event. People, you know, the injury rate for these vaccines is astonishing. And we're all being lied to. And, you know, once they come over to our side, you know what happens to them. They you know, they, uh, they go down that wormhole and they never come back out again.
0: It's one-way traffic. It's just yeah. one.
1: Yeah.
0: It's good. We only get bigger. <laughs> and I also think the thing to remember is the harder we see the pushback and oh my goodness, it is becoming ferocious right here now. The push to get 90% of us vaccinated and push, push, push. <laughs> the hard, yeah, it's panic. They're panicking about this. The harder we see that, the more we know we're making a difference. Because oh. you don't push that hard for a tiny group of people. There's something's wrong with the numbers, something's wrong with the whole picture. And yeah. I think we have to remember that the push and the desperation are a sign that we're making a difference. Tell us a little bit about your walkout. Yes. Because that's a that's a good act of resistance. Yeah. Oh the walkout. The walkout. Yeah. Because it's our it's our third today but it's your third tomorrow, so we could all do it tomorrow. So tell yeah, us. So
1: we're, you know, it, we're getting, we're in I think 70 or 80 cities around the United States and we're all over, I think we have 50 in Europe where people are going to walk out um, and it doesn't mean, you know, we don't want to get you in trouble. So you call in sick, um, you know, call, send a message, call in sick, stop your telephone way right to work, but don't go into work. Oh, everybody's got to walk out except the people at CHD. everybody
0: has to talk about <laughs> yeah no one at VFF walk out please <laughs> yeah.
3: no, no it's great really- and it's a very good idea and if maybe people do it either today or tomorrow and also I know there's people talking about doing something in New Zealand next week as well because we like Libby said they're really putting the push on I think it, it feels like where like the California children's situation or something like that was, it's its enormous pressure from all angles for everybody to be vaccinated. And we've been locked up in Auckland in the central um, um here for 11 weeks.
1: Yeah, so time has come. Yeah. All right, guys, I oh.
0: Yeah, you gotta go. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It was awesome. Yeah, I,
1: anytime, I I love spending time with you, and uh, I know I love what you're doing. And thanks for your support of um, CHP of Children's Health Defense. Everybody, and, get on, uh, go on Barnes Noble or Amazon or wherever you want now, and, and order yeah. Fauci you, your Christmas shopping early. Robert, the there were
3: there were a lot of questions about your TikTok. People wanted to follow. What's the name of that?
1: Of what? Of
3: your TikTok okay. name? Is it is it under your oh, name?
1: It's uh, RFK Jr. Uh, the defender, or RFK Jr. defender. Okay. So, right. Okay. I think there may only be one thing up there, but it's a good one. <laughs> I, You'll have to practice your
0: dance moves to get into that I youth doubled,
1: audience. I uh, I doubled my number of. <laughs> Followers today. I you're supposed one, to be hung up on
0: followers.
1: I, I went from one to two. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, That was good. Here are everyone. Jump on and you can increase the number of uh, followers. Yeah, up. and we hope that you would come down. I did see that you're into um, whitewater rafting, apparently. So I think you've been in New Zealand. I did, did
1: try
3: kayaking. A kayaking. Oh, I, so when we finally, you can get in, maybe you can come here you again. You come and to our party. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a party.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been to New Zealand before um, and just loved it. But my son was a, um, he was a high-ranked uh, uh, slope style skier. So that's, you know, the, the, um, the big air skier. And he went every year to the tournaments on the, on the South Island in New Zealand. And he actually he broke his leg in New Zealand and had to come back. Oh. I had to pay for first class because he was laid out on a <laughs> oh, and it was really expensive. So I will never forget. That.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you won't. It's a long way to come. It's a long way. Oh well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for everything you do. Uh, it's really inspirational I the defender lands in my inbox every day if, everybody, if you haven't signed up sign up it's a really good roundup of what's happening I know you've got a whole video channel with lots of people doing uh, regular videos and things so it's an amazing organization I, I you
1: guys should do a, a video show a tv show for us from New Zealand called call Polly Tommy and she, oh.
3: okay
0: yeah Polly. Our- we
1: know Polly <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, we will do that. Thank you yeah. so very much, and thanks everybody. Wicked. Thousands and thousands of people here today. Thank you very much for coming on.
0: Wicked,
1: lovely. Thank you. We'll see you Thank again. You.
0: Please. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. you. Bye,
1: bye, bye, Bye-bye. bye. Bye-bye.